Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Upon Further Review. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. Alongside me is Eric Dutdekevich from Parkview Sports Medicine. And, you know, tonight we've got a little bit of both of a PSA for one with officials. We're going to have Jeff Lytle come on and talk about officiating. We're starting a new year. There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of things that have happened uh, throughout the year, not specific to football, but officiating. And with one thing that's happening in the officiating world is getting people to go in to officiating. And it's going to, at some point, impact like the sport of football that uses five or six a game. So we'll get Jeff's take on some of that and get his viewpoint because he's done a lot of refereeing. He's still involved with Bishop Dwanger football. Then we're going to get into the 2023 uh, sack preview and talk about all the sack teams and as well as maybe peek over into some of the Northeast eight teams that will appear in the city. Number one source for all things Summit Athletic Conference right here at Upon Further Review and as well as Northeast Indiana. Dude, good to see you, my man, for this second season as we get started with a little better run up i guess you can say we just kind of put it together <laughs> last year but we should be seasoned veterans by now yeah good to be back with you it's you know the summer is gone like it is every year it's getting shorter because the kids are going back to school sooner and sooner so here we are week zero if you will of another season of upon further review as we look ahead this week uh scrimmages on friday i know you were out at the snyder homestead one and 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 of course they all start for real uh, this coming Friday uh, across the state of Indiana. And notably here that I know we'll talk about later in the show, the new schedule for the Summit Athletic Conference, yeah. really how that will bear out and help a lot of the teams from our area. Because I think it will help long term uh, for some of that. We'll, 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 we'll dive into that yeah. down the road as well. But good well, to be back with you for another year. <laughs> well, you know, they're going to give a heavy dose of us, not only here on Wednesday <laughs> nights at 7 o'clock on all your favorite platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. So you can get all, all the coverage from us here each and every week. Wednesday at 7 o'clock, still working out a few things with 1380 The Fan 100.9 to ca uh, also carry us on the radio network. So when that is uh comes to fruition we'll let you know about that but you brought up about this you know new uh 10 uh two uh non-conference uh games that uh the teams were allowed to schedule this year and you know snyder homestead they and carol they just went out and oh let's get carmel let's get warren central and let's get hamilton southeastern so um these are no patsies that's for any uh, for anything um carol especially i mean they're not fooling around and then you've got i know you got the schedule right there we got uh cincinnati moeller with the uh, bishop wanger that's a huge one and we've got a ton of that uh with some of these teams which i think is going to give everyone a little bit better <clears throat> understanding of where they're at it gives the team uh schools a chance to really get a gauge on where their team is at depth wise. Uh, and we'll find out pretty fast when we get rolling here uh, this week. Yeah. I mean, what's different about this is, is that basically in a nutshell, the SAC has split into what were two divisions, 
I still, I guess they're still calling them Division A and Division B, but Division A is kind of your bigger schools, Carroll, Dwanger, Northrop, Snyder. Uh, and then on the other side, you have some of the smaller schools, uh, but also some bigger schools. So maybe I'll put it, the best way to put it is probably some of your more uh, traditional powerhouses in the SAC on one side, and then some of the other schools that uh, from, from a competitive balance perspective, uh, Wayne, Southside, Northside's in that Division B, Concordia, uh, and Bishop Lewis. So the idea to kind of split up the competition a little bit, but also too, um, you know, opens up those first two weeks of the regular season for everybody where they can go out and schedule some big time opponents. You know, you have uh, Warren Central is going to be playing both Snyder and Carroll. Uh, you know, Carroll scheduled Hamilton Southeastern, who they played, I believe, at the semi state uh, last year. So it's a big opportunity for a lot of these schools to, you know, go out to schedule some big time opponents throughout the state because a lot of those other conferences in central Indiana don't, you know, have those first two weeks open as well. So it should be good for the Snyders of the world, the Carols of the world, the homesteads of the world to kind of gauge where they are instead of, and then that way, when you get to week three and the SAC season starts up, you know, it's, it's, you've, you've kind of got your, your legs under you from a game perspective um, and not necessarily deciding who's going to win the victory bell in week one, like we've seen in, in several years past throughout the years, you know, Northside and Snyder playing in week one a year ago um, really kind of helped determine the SAC kind of in ways knocked out uh, Northside to a certain extent. So uh, I think it'll be good for these teams to do it. One note I did find out with the week two schedule, Wayne and Northrop are playing each other. As it turns out, neither Northrop nor Wayne could find a week two non-conference opponent so those schools agreed to play each other it will count in the regular season standings but it will not it will not count in the sac standings um so whoever wins that week two matchup between northrop and wayne um will have an extra win in the win column but they will not have it uh in the sac standings so just one note that i did find out this week uh from Wayne Athletic Director uh, Gary Raver. He was able to tell me that. So it should be interesting for everybody. Uh, I'm looking forward to it because I know, you know, that high tides raise all boats. And I think this is good for, for everybody in town to hit opportunity to play some, some big time opponents. Yeah. And then a couple quick things here before we get to Jeff is he's waiting in our green room, I should say, but uh <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of talent again this year in the uh, area, not only in the, you know, Summit Athletic Conference, but in the Northeast, you know, there is a lot of D1 talent. I kind of did previews of that prior to us going with our first show here tonight and not to, you know, exclude anyone, but by all means, th there's from sophomores to seniors, there is a ton of talent uh this year and you can tell a lot of kids have practiced their craft throughout the year now and are ready to go but you know when we get to our first guests here i want to bring in uh uh jeff and jeff how are you doing my man i'm doing great thanks thanks for having <laughs> yeah. me yeah jeff lytle is a is a, you know a referee um basketball for the most part uh but he's done a little bit of everything i think in your career haven't you jeff 
I have, yes. I, I do basketball, softball, baseball, football. <laughs> yeah. It's in, you know, I know there was a year or two there that you had some boys playing. So you kind of got involved a little bit with Bishop DeWanger uh, in football and such. Are you still working with Bishop DeWanger in any capacity this year? No, I'm just back to officiating. So once once the uh, Brendan and Drew graduated, I went back to officiating. <laughs> you went back for the, the glutton of punishment. But, <laughs> you know, I think it's a good time to bring up officiating um, as we, you know, segue into this season. And <clears throat> this is really non-sports specific, I should say, because I think uh, it's an important thing to reflect back on. We had an incident that happened, and I'm going to play a clip of that from this past, I think, winter uh, when there was an altercation between a parent and official. Uh, Let me kind of cue this up, and then we'll go back and take a look at it, and we'll talk about it and get your viewpoint on some things that parents should be aware of and, and talk from a humanistic point of view uh, about officials and what they're really there to do. And they're not there to cheat your kid or cheat your team or, by any means. Right. Correct. Hey, let's take a look at this. I'll get your viewpoint on it. Uh, I think, you know what I'm probably getting ready to queue up here, right. but um, this is a incident that happened this past year. Yeah, so Jeff, uh, we, we played a little bit of that video, but obviously that that drew up national attention uh, for for everything with with officiating and and fans. And as we enter a new season, I mean, just that time of year to remind people that you know, it, at the end of the day, it's just a game. And I know a lot is on, on the line every every Friday night. In this case, when we talk about football, but from from the from the referee, the official standpoint, just the job that you guys are, are tasked with each and every week, just talk a little bit about that, you know, coming out of everything that we've seen. Yes. Uh, every, everything is, uh, everybody wants to win. There's no doubt about it. Every, every, I mean, everything's competitive. The whole world's competitive. Winning is winning is a lot. I mean, look at the coaches in the college ranks millions of dollars winning, but on the officiating side, and you're talking high school sports, you don't get a lot of money. You're, nobody's getting rich officiating. There's nobody getting <laughs> there's nobody getting rich officiating high school sports. So, and you guys will see this on Friday night. Look at look at the uh, the ages of the guys who are out there refereeing the games. Not mm-hmm. very not 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 too many young guys out there. I mean, I'm 45 years old and I'm considered a young official. So, that's not that's not a good sign for officials. Also, um, we we do work hard at our craft. And nobody's out there to cheat your kids, as you said. Nobody wants to make a bad call. I mean, it's just the human nature of of, of the of the of the business. So we don't no referees out there to cheat, no referees out there to, to fix a game. We don't care who wins. I've always said that as long as I've refereed. I don't care who wins. I don't <laughs> I just wanna go out there and be unnoticed. I've always said 
the best game I ever referee is the games I work and nobody knows I'm there. Now I've done it for such a long time. People know who I am, but the best, best way to officiate is to be unseen. <laughs> well, and you know, um, I brought that clip up for one reason, the difference between the, like in the sport of football, what helps referees in the sport of football is the separation that you get from the crowd. You know, they're not right there up on top of you, but every, every uh, official has to eventually walk through crowds, right? Correct. Correct. And, and, um, you know, what are some things that you could lend to our audience, the parents that are listening to this for the first time? What is that etiquette? What should, you know, when things are not going a team's way and such, you know, the do nots and so to speak, because we don't need incidences like we saw there happening in any sport uh, here in Fort Wayne ever again. Correct. Uh, the first thing I always say is do not approach the officials. I mean, however mad you are or how however upset you are with the officials don't approach the officials i mean football is you like you said is a great sport because you're so far away you don't have to deal with it and our our schools around here do a great job of having security walking you in and out of the locker room so you really don't have any incidences where the fans can get to you but you know i mean just i always say use common sense i mean you, you should never put your hands on an official. You should never hit an official. You should never push an official. None of those things apply to high school sports. <laughs> Absolutely. And, th and this not goes for parents, but I've seen coaches lose it, um, you know, um, in games and such. And um, there are going to be disagreements on calls and things of that nature. But when you see the aggressiveness that sometimes you a coach takes – in some respects, it's not, it's not something that should be allowed. And I think the coaches in the summit athletic conference, maybe in the area do a great job of approaching officials when they have a disagreement about something. Cause it's very subtle. It's asked the question, get the answer. And then, you know, it's done, or at least that's my observation of it when I see it during the games. Yes. Um, our coaches in this area and actually throughout the state are, are, are very good with officials. They know how to talk to officials. They know how to handle officials. Um, coaches and officials have relationships, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. they know us, they know our kids, they know our families. I mean, you see them scream at us. Yes, they are. They're, they're upset. They're mad. But at the end of the day, they still respect us. They like us. They still talk to us. I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to always be on the same page. It, it's, it's just not going to be that way. We're not, right. never going to be on the same page, but they have to honor what we, what we've decided and move along. You know, I always say, mm -hmm. why are we talking about a play that happened two quarters ago, six plays ago? It, let, let's talk about what's happening now. What, what are you concerned about now? And most coaches do a great job of, uh, of moving along and get it, getting over with, you know, if they're, if they're more worried about the officials, <clears throat> then how are they going to coach it and, and get a win? Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think you said that uh, very well because um, Dennis Jackson, I consider a friend. I know Dennis, he's a, he's a supervisor of officials now for them, for the Heartland collegiate conference, but Dennis was in the mid American conference when I was coaching at ball state. And we go all the way back to there 
Um, so you're right. We have these relationships and we know each other pretty well. And, you know, that's the, that's the great thing about football. Um, everybody in some form or fashion gets to know somebody uh, and you get to know them for a period of years because of the dedication of, to the craft, like you said, officials, coaches, and players alike. One last question for you, because I think this goes into just an official's mindset. Some of the, you know, controversy surrounding, you know, the targeting Yes. Of, of everything. And and I think this is because high school does not have instant replay. They don't Correct. get the luxury of throwing the flag, calling it, knowing that they can look at video to back it up. Now, I know some even the smaller schools and colleges are clipping it now where officials can look at it at halftime, but they can't, you know, they don't have the availability in the high school ranks to necessarily do this in the real time. But kind of explain for the general fan out there um, what uh, targeting it is and what is an official looking for. Okay. Um, they've actually uh, cracked down on this again this year because what are, what they're looking for is to, to stay away from the, the Chuck Cecil hits is what I'd call them. The, mm-hmm. the, the, I mean, we're just going to rip your head off. We're going to knock it off. That, that was great 20 years ago. It was, it was legal. It, it was a great hit. You know, and now they're trying to to totally avoid that. So mm-hmm. they're lo- looking for any contact to the head, any unnecessary contact. So if you see a guy go across the middle, and he and the and the guy jumps up to make a play, and the ball sails over him ten yards, and the guy gets drilled, they want a flag on that. Now, right? I mean, people don't understand that because they think it's a great hit, but now there it's all about safety anymore. I mean, football has gotten. Um, it's, I mean, it started in the NFL with the quarterbacks and everything else. And now it's, it's, dro- it's, it's dropped his way down to high school. And mm-hmm. now it's all about safety. That's what they're looking for. Safety. They don't want concussions and headshots and all this stuff where kids are getting injured and the numbers are dwindling and things like that. So you're, you're going to see it more on, on, on Friday nights. You're, you'll probably see a lot more calls that back five years ago were great hits and, and now they're going to be plant penalty flags. But the IHSA put out a video. We have we have a, uh, a tape that we watch every year. The coaches and the officials watch on what they're looking for, mm-hmm. what what is what is legal, what is not legal. So every official has seen this. We also a lot of people don't know this. After every game, the the the, the both schools home and away use huddle. Uh, I'm sure you guys are both familiar mm-hmm. with huddle, mm-hmm. and the officials every crew has access to those games as long as the coaches send them to the crews through the right. IFOA. So we, we, we break down our tapes every, every week. We, we, we break down the tape that we'll have Friday night. This Friday, our crew has got uh, Brownsburg and uh, Dwanger. And, and after that game, both those coaches will send us a link and we can watch that whole entire game. So if, usually it's about 120 to 150 plays. So, right. I mean, officials take their this seriously i mean we're, we're not just people don't we watch tape we read the rule books we go to meetings you know which we, we do know what we're doing people act like they have no <laughs> clue like like what like we've never done this before but we actually really do know what we are doing i mean it, it's 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 sad to say that but you know people act like we just came out of the uh, off the street to, to referee yeah know? well the other thing is and i think you hit on the great point about 
the studying that you guys do with now the technology advances have enabled officials to, you know, focus their craft even more by even watching themselves because you get two in, you get two angles. Now you get a sideline or what I call uh 22 in the picture and then an end zone that's really focusing on the uh, interior line play. So you get it from both angles and that's how you learn and teach. Um, and I, I always would take a clip or two and clip it out and huddle and send it off for review. If I wanted an explanation on why they didn't call this or why this was called. And that's the beauty of this uh, arena now. So um, there's no question about that. Last question here. If there's a young person out there, maybe a kid that played high school football, but it's not going to go off and play college ball and they're looking for an opportunity to get involved. What is it they can do to, get themselves started in officiating because officiating is needed and it's needed badly. Yes, absolutely. Um, IHSA.org is, is, is the official IHSA website. They can also go to the Twitter handler. Actually, a a lot of people don't know this, but you can get a free license your first year. Uh, It's an open book test. So you take the test, you get a, you get licensed and then we hook you up with a mentor someone like myself or an older person that has done this for a while and then you through what you need to do. Now, the only problem I've always said with officiating is there, you can read as many books as you want. You can watch as many videos as you want, but <laughs> guess what? You have to do it. <laughs> so yeah. the only way to, to, to do it, to, to officiate is to get out there and do it. Now you're going to make mistakes, obviously. So that's where you do the, seventh and eighth grade and fifth and sixth grade and things like that. But the parents forget that these guys, probably some of them might be on their first or second game and they expect them to be NFL officials or NBA yeah. officials. And they're not, they're, they're, they're just not, you, you have to, you know, work thousands and thousands of games to get to the level where, where you want to be elite or an expert at, at, at this craft. And, and that's, I was going to say the that, next the thing with that too, and this is what I want to make, and I'm sorry for cutting you off there, Jeff, didn't mean no, to, you're fine. but um, you're not going to start in one year and make it to the big 10. Exactly. You know, everybody wants that jump because yep. you, you hit upon it. You do the fifth grade games, you do the seventh grade games, you get a mentor like yourself and you grow within your craft. And if you're good enough, they're going to move you along as we see already. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. If you're good enough and, and you're willing to work hard, you, you can go You can go right up the ladder. You can go to college football. You can go, I mean, NFL, whatever you want to do. I mean, the, the sky is the limit in officiating as, as long as you're willing to work and learn. But you also have to be patient, too. You have to yep. understand what's going on. You have to, I mean, everybody wants to get in there and, and they want to work Friday night. So they want to work um you know, in the SAC in a, in a basketball game, it's just, it's mm-hmm. not going to, ha- it's not going to happen in one or two years. It takes five or six years to get that, that, that experience. And, and how did, you know, a lot of, a lot of our, our uh, officiating business is dealing with people. Can you, can you take a yeah. person who, who is through the roof mad at you and get them down to your level to talk calm to them? Or are you just going to escalate and blow the situation up and you're going to, you know, you're going to have to throw a coach out or, you know, restrict a coach or any of that other stuff. I always, right. I always, I always tell people a good official can take a coach who's through the roof 
and bring them back down to your level so, so we can talk sensibly. Because again, sports is emotional. Everything is emotional. You know, right. it's it, everything, you know, winning, you know, you have to win. <laughs> That's the bottom line. <laughs> I know I mean, that. <laughs> you, 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 you've been, you've been in coaching, but you know, I mean, high school, you know, the IHS I have has a great saying it's education based athletics. Let's absolutely, let's be, let's be realistic. There's, I mean, look at all these kids across uh, the Summit Athletic Conference, the NECC, the NE8. I mean, there'll be one or two kids that 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 will get a Division One scholarship, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and how many of those kids will actually play? Right. N- not too many. <laughs> yeah. So again, you know, uh, if you're a fan, thank the referees for being there. You know, I mean, th- it's coming. It's Friday nights are coming where they're going to get moved to Saturday. It's it. It's it's inevitable because there's not enough officials that are going to cover all these games. It's it, it's it happened last year. I think there was I think sixty or seventy games that had to get moved. Now, luckily, yeah. around here here they didn't. Wow. But you know, I mean, down in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Yes, Indianapolis had some um, up in the region. They had some, and and down in down in southern Indiana, they did. So yeah. you, you know, I mean, and let's let's face it. Even officials, they don't want to work Saturday because some of them are doing college. There's college football. There's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Everybody wants to play on Friday nights. All the athletic directors wants to play on Friday nights. The kids want to play on Friday nights. So, you know, I mean, let's take a step back and, and let's thank these guys for what they do. I mean, we all have families. We all have kids. We all have parents. We all have grandparents. We have grandchildren. I have three grandchildren now or two, two one yeah. on the way. So, I mean, it's you know, I mean, I, I, I take up my, t- I, you know, I give up my Friday nights to, to officiate because I love it because I love yeah. giving back, but you know, we, we are human beings too. So just, just <laughs> give us a little break is all we ask. <laughs> and another thing is this is not just for men. There are ladies and and women that are getting into high st- and into football officiating and you've seen them and you see them some on Sunday. So it has nothing to do with your gender. If you have a passion and love for the game of football or basketball or softball, baseball, whatever it is, by all means, ladies, you go do the same thing because uh, gender has nothing to do with it. It's all about about positioning and understanding the rules. Absolutely. And we we have a lot of of, uh, female officials who do – softball and volleyball and basketball and they are there are female officials who are working football in in, in mm-hmm. indiana there you know there's quite a few of them actually not not many around in fort wayne yet but hopefully somebody will want to do it and, and come out and work work uh football but you know it, like you said it's it's about working your craft it's about angles that's that's a great thing you brought up there angles you know what I, I sat in the top row at Bishop DeWanger for, for four years watching my kids play. I had the best seat in the house. I, I could tell you every penalty or hold or whatever else there was in those games. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, DeWanger didn't lose too many games when, when, when my kids were there. So, but I mean, it, it was never the official's fault when we got beat. I can tell you that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the official's fault for, for, for teams losing the games. Now there might be a play that you think, that was pivotal or crucial, but there was also a play that you didn't make on fourth down or third down, or the mm-hmm. coach went for it. That also did, but it, it always comes back to the officials. But yeah. Like I, like I've always said, I I've officiated 
football for 21 years and I've, I've never lost a game yet. I'm still undefeated. So and I, and I'll, I'll be undefeated again hey, this year. I'm undefeated yeah. now. I got all the answers on Friday nights and I can tell you exactly what you should have done and not done, but yeah. Hey, we appreciate you coming on Jeff and Hey, thank you from our perspective for what you do. I know you're very active on Twitter and I know even with your officiating buddies that you've done a lot of games with really thankful for people like you that, are willing to do uh, the Friday night games and do those things for the kids and, and everyone else that has an opportunity to cross your path. So thank you for coming on with us today on Palm for the review. Absolutely. And I want to t- thank both of you guys for what you do for high school sports. It, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, with the coverage that you guys give these kids and the videos that you guys make, that, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see on Twitter what you guys do, and hopefully, it gets some more exposure to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and these kids get more scholarships and and, and playing at the next level. You know, and I, we yeah. we appreciate that. So, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Jeff, again for coming on, and we'll see you at a game this this year, I'm sure. For sure. Take care, fellas. All right. That's thanks, Jeff, Jeff. Lytle, for officiating official here in the Fort Wayne area, and. Uh, Dude, maybe I dominated that conversation, but I think it was good to have <laughs> Jeff's uh, insight as we start the year and give somebody, give people perspective, I guess, is what I wanted to accomplish out of that uh, segment there. Yeah, definitely. Well, an old coach and a referee talking and yeah. coach hogs the conversation. Who would have thought? No, it's it's great to, to have him on and to provide perspective because I'm sure a lot of people in the Fort Wayne know, area know Jeff and know oh, yeah. a lot of referee. James Payne is another one. They mentioned just the other day that, that yeah. he'll be retiring um, from officiating. And a lot of these people do uh, multiple sports, multiple games. They're a part of the community. They have their other jobs. Uh, Jeff mentioned it. Uh, the Lytles from Dwanger, a, a mm-hmm. family. Brennan Lytle was a was a really good athlete. Uh, you know, in the in the most recent years, uh, out of out of Bishop Dwanger, and their father. He's a father. Their parents. They're 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 people who support the community. And I know it gets frustrating when you go to games and you know you see where. Uh, a, a call you don't think was made correctly happens. You know, we're all sports fans. We cover sports. We, we have our teams, we root for people and we, we, we've experienced heartbreak. You are a coach, you know how, oh, yeah. but at the end of the day, I think that's the human element. And I think that provides a, a key part of it too. The players are human. The coaches are human. The officials are human. And I think if we keep that in mind, it makes it better because Absolutely. as you mentioned, there is a shortage you know, they don't have Absolutely. enough and, shortage. And we are fortunate, like he mentioned, that on front, you know, we here in Fort Wayne and the SAC and the local teams can still play on Friday night because we do have enough officials in our area. That is to say, though, they are still looking for more. They're always looking for more. They they do great training. Again, you can go to the IHSA website and, and find out more information if you're interested in that. And they always are welcoming of that, too. If you see yeah. guys, Jeff will say on Twitter, okay, if you guys think you can do better, come on out because we need we need more officials. Yeah, and, you know, one thing, we'll put this to bed and move on to the previews, but in all my years of coaching, 28 years, I only got one flag thrown on me for a 15-yarder, and it was deserved, so I got my money's worth. Let's just put <laughs> it that way. But even I go back and reflect on some of my demeanor at times and how that can also 
incite the crowd, especially yeah. for the team that you're coaching. If the parents see the coach getting riled up, then they're going to get riled up. So there's a lot of things that coaches can do, parents can do, even players can do to appreciate what we have with these officials and for what they do. And that incident that I showed unfortunately happened here and it was no excuse for what happened because they're there. You just never go solve anything by what occurred there, but appreciate Jeff coming on and you know, Hey, look, it's time to get to football though. We got to get this preview preview going of, of the summit athletic conference. And, um, Boy, I tell you, it's it's uh, it's going to be another. I, I'm really excited for this year, even more so this year than even last year, because I think the the competitive balance is coming back into play quite a bit, and I think we got some talented kids that I'm looking forward to see both in the Summit Athletic Conference and outside of it. Um, I don't know what your take is on it, but I, okay. I think I'm ready to get going. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Friday night, everything kicks off and with the non-conference games and 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 all of that. But I think the competitive balance now in the conference, the new schedule, um, it 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 brings in some new dynamics for the SAC that has yeah. been what an eight-game schedule where everybody plays each other in the in the league for the most part. Um, you know and. This, this is great because you're not going to have the same matchups every year, week one, where you potentially see uh, Homestead beating a Northrop by 50, which is what we saw last year. And right. if it was the same schedule, it probably would happen again. But also, too, I think the success is all relative for all of these teams. You have a Carroll team that was SAC champion. They ran the table in the league. They get all the way to the state finals, come up a little short to uh, down there. and but, you know, they got Jimmy Sullivan back. They got Hanson Hafner back. They got a lot of their defense back. And so it almost yep. looked like this summer they picked up right where they left off. <laughs> Snyder's always a player, you know. And then with on with the new division, you look at a team like Northside, which is, you know, on paper probably the best team in that division B. And yeah. if they can run their aspect of, of the table and some of the games they play, because they don't play Snyder this year. So we're not going to see a Snyder Northside matchup for a couple of years. So there's a lots of right. different dynamics that play into it. And then, you know, a team like Southside, uh, you know, their, their measure for success is going to be vastly different than a team like Bishop Dwanger or a team mm-hmm. like Errol, but, you know, great things coming out of, out of the Archer program all summer long with coach Goodwill coming in. So it's going to be exciting for a lot of, a lot of teams. It, it always is exciting week one because everybody is zero and zero. And really the first two weeks don't affect your SAC standing. So you get to week three, every team is still in the SAC hunt. Right. Right. Well, who do you want to talk about first? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Graphic man. Cause uh, well, you know, anything, if I throw off anything, it's going to be opposite of you. So rather well, that's than fine. Well, we can, me. you know, I mean, I think the question probably goes to I, I I think my favorite in the SAC is Carroll to to repeat. And what is it about them that that is so good? What they what they got coming back with Jimmy Sullivan, with Hanson Hafter. They've got so much of that team coming back because and on top of it, there's such a loaded program to begin with. I think we had right. Doug Dinan on last year and he said 165 guys in the program. 
Right. Uh, from, and and a lot of those guys, unfortunately, will never see varsity action because that's just the, the realistic nature of the numbers that they have. Their, their youth program, I saw that they had their kickoff last night, 220 kids out there playing. Wow. So, you know, you, you brought it up. I think, you know, Jimmy Sullivan, here's what Jimmy Sullivan has to do this year because he's no longer the young pup on the team he's a he's a known commodity he's a division one athlete he has a big 10 offer with purdue jimmy has to make the next step up as being a top quarterback and that is continue to be a manager of the game and the ball and doing the right things with the football which he did a lot with last year and uh, i think he's only going to get better and right now he's the big 10 offer he has is minnesota and I think that may grow because he's still a young pup in the eyes of a recruiter. But then you got an exciting kid like uh, uh, Braden Steely. This kid, I don't understand why he doesn't have multiple offers. He's committed to Western Michigan, but he is such a dynamic player, offensively and defensively, um, just crazy talented. He's one of my favorite players in the SAC. Yeah, I mean, and, and we go back two years. I mean, we, we will never forget that night, the first brand-new night of, of the new oh, yeah. stadium. And, you know, he was out there and returned the opening kickoff in the brand-new stadium back. And, I mean, that's something that they're going the, the folks are going to remember a long time uh, at, at Carroll and around the area because that was just something just incredible – and he's, you know, that's what's special about Friday nights in Fort Wayne, Carroll, and right. a lot of the other teams is having those playmakers. I mean, guys that can can play multiple positions, multiple ways, and that only helps their recruiting their recruiting portfolio. Yeah. Well, and you look up front, they're going to have a solid returning offense and defensive line. You've got Abs, who's an offensive tackle. I think he's now a senior. I believe these kids, I mean, you know, sometimes they're years, but he's, you know, he's a really good offensive lineman. His dad's the head coach up at Trine university, Mm -hmm. but he's a, I think a very talented big kid. And then the other kid is the Anderson kid that just got an offer by Western Michigan as well. Here's a kid that can not only run sideline to sideline, but North and South, he is all over the field. So that's what makes their defense. I believe so uh, effective is what they have speed wise. You talked about Hafner already um, a little bit there. And, you know, the Starks, the running back, I think he's another kid that can yeah. add to that dynamic. So I'm with you. I think Carroll is a definitely a repeat because I think they have all the boxes checked of what you need. Quarterback, yeah. quarterback play, solid offensive, defensive lines, and a defense that as a unit that I think can play lights out. Yeah, and looking at their schedule, which I don't have in front of me, but just I have it on paper here. Week four, home versus Dwanger. Week five at Snyder. And then week nine, uh, hosting Northside. Um, so, you know, those are big games for the Chargers, big games for all those teams. Um, but I think, you know, that 13-1 and one year uh, ago, that 9-0 and oh in the SAC, 8-1 and one the year before, They've now won back-to-back SAC titles. Like, this is a different Carroll program from the vantage point that they, they're they always going to be in that conversation. 
uh, you know, for, for right. when we talked about Snyder and Dwanger uh, 10 years ago, and we'd sometimes throw in lures like Carol's in that upper echelon uh, for certain now. And, and, you know, they had a great summer with the PSM seven on seven. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that we hosted uh, out, up at East Noble and, you know, they were impressive. Um, and, and, and they also won, you know, the, the summit city shootout, up there as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, at Carol. So it's been a great summer for them. Um, I think a lot of the aspect of the adversity that they faced last summer, I think um, helped yeah. them in the sense right. that they, they use that as a rallying cry, but they're a real deal, legit kind of team where coming into this year, the expectations are, are certainly pretty high because of the playmakers that they have and they should be, and they are certainly a team, not only to watch in the SAC, but across the state. I think they come in number five in the preseason yeah. uh, coaches poll in class 6A. And the other thing is second game, their second uh, week schedule for them is they got Warren Central coming yep. to Carroll, which I would imagine we will be at. Or I'm pretty sure. if we're if we're if we're not, then we're going to have to examine <laughs> why. We'll but, let we'll let Brett Rump spill the beans on where we get. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. But, uh, well, but, we, yeah, no, and I think that's great. I mean, I think that's going to be great uh, for both 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 of those teams, and and it's cool to see a, a Warren Central come up to Fort Wayne and and play those teams, and and I know uh, Snyder will travel to Warren Central in there as well, but. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, so that that's that's that they're a solid team, and and I think they just kind of pick up where they left off, and and the question then becomes, coach, which of the other team can really be a formidable foe, especially in that bigger division, a team like Snyder. I mean, uh, you know, you look you look at at, at Snyder and 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 what they were able to do, um, you know, for them, just it seems like they don't have as much as they had last year. Obviously they lose Luke Hoppert to graduation. Mm -hmm. uh, they lost Langston Lavelle uh, to graduation. Uh, now we just heard this week. I, we, we, we heard on, uh, as we first reported on Sunday night, the uh, Al Capone VZ has left Snyder and left the state, moved to Colorado. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different changes for Snyder, but their defense is going to be stellar. Uh, once again, I mean, they're, they're locked and loaded, a lot of experience there. And I think, you know, when you talk about defense winning championships, um, you know, that's that's where it is, because I think Snyder, you're going to see the more traditional run game because they have uh, Keydrell Billingsley at, uh, uh, at quarterback. quarterback. And and so they got to, you know, run Uriah Buchanan. Uh, right. I think he, you know, is, is a heavy dose of him now. But that experienced secondary, you know, Lucas Rohrbacher, the linebacker, uh, Brandon Logan, who's at safety, just picked up an Iowa offer a few weeks back. He's actually committed to play baseball at Vanderbilt. Um, and, you know, guys like Landon Fry, Will Kelso. So Snyder has the big the big guys up front and, and the secondary that has experience. And I think that will help. Uh, as their offense settles in, but they still have a lot of great offensive players as well. And and I think it starts with Uriah Buchanan um, and, 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 and that heavy dose of run game that we accustomed to see the Snyder Panthers. Well, right. Um, Lucas Rohrbacher, probably one of my second favorite uh, linebacker undersized, but it's always around the ball. 
makes a lot of plays. You know, their defensive line has got the quickness. They're not as big as they once were, but they're they're very quick in their defensive scheme that they play. Um, the other thing that I would say with Billingsley and what I saw of him on uh, Friday, I think the biggest thing with him is going to be uh, making the right decisions with the football um, because he has the ability to run it. He does have a decent arm. He does throw the ball really well, especially on timing routes. I mean, the quick game. So if they can utilize the quick game to get his confidence up and then their run game, which is always tough to stop because they like to run the power, they like to run the counter. And now with Billingsley back there, you're going to see quarterback runs. All that coupled with then what they really love to do is the play action pass bootleg play action pass, throw it deep. They're not your traditional drop back, you know, passing team. They're a team that just likes to take what what's given to them and a very, very well coached, well disciplined team. Um, That's one of their favorite plays right there that they're running. That's the the power. But I really think that um, it's going to be an interesting to see if Snyder has enough to challenge, yeah. challenge Carroll uh, this year, uh, knowing that it's going to be a little bit later than, you know, week two or week three. So right. that's, I think, I think they're, those two teams are going to be right there at the top. Yeah. And the Panthers face Carroll week five, then at Homestead week six, and then uh, Dwanger week eight. Uh, so keeping within those divisional games, um, so, and then, you know, they don't have to play North side. That could probably be the next team we talk about coach, the North side legends. I mean, a team that had a lot of uh, uh, promise last year, they get eight wins, their first winning season in a decade. Um, and, and for them, it was, um, you know, it comes up short at sectionals. And so right. it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the North side legends team, do they have what they had last year in the sense of continuing that momentum and building? And I think, I think in a lot of ways they do, because I mean, there again, you get a lot right. of playmakers back. You get Tay Johnson, you have uh, Jordan King, the Purdue commit on the line. Uh, Jamari Pearson is a name that we're going to be hearing a lot this, this fall. So uh, for, a really good name, <laughs> and, and a really good name. Uh, some decent in good coaching and also that consistency of getting in the weight room all summer they, you know, all five Fort Wayne community schools do uh, PSM strength and conditioning throughout the school year. And I know it's been a big emphasis for, for North side and having the coaches in the building, having that workout routine. They had a big combine uh, leading into this uh, school year, just to get numbers on all of their athletes, not just football players. Yeah. So I think they're, they, they're, there is a sense of it's not just, oh, yeah, we're good. We got a lot of good talent and we put it together and hopefully it turns out. I think there is a lot of investment in those in those players, in those teams. And and obviously, coach for the Northside Legends, it does start with the Notre Dame uh, recruit in Tay Johnson. Well, there's no there's no question that Tay Johnson is a gifted, talented player. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, um, being that he's a very good safety DB type of structure. And that's what he wanted. You know, that's why Notre Dame, that's why Notre Dame got him was because of that. But, 
you know, you talk about the Jordan King and I broke him down and his physicality when those top 10 recruits is great feet, great strength. And then Jamari Pearson, like you talked about several Mac offers and IU offer. How did that happen? Well, when coaches turn on the tape to look at Tay Johnson and they see another kid running around or being the corner on defense, they go, who's that kid? And that's how probably Jamari Pearson got recruited is that he flashed on tape when they were recruiting the Jordan King or uh, Tay Johnson's film. But the other kid is the Camden Johnson kid, the running back that I think is another kid that can be a powerful. So what's their biggest question mark? It's kind of like Snyder. Do they have a quarterback? You know, yeah. they, lo- they lost Dickerson. I mean, it's very hard to replace those numbers, but do they have a kid that's going to step in and maybe they have a kid that's a little bit more dual threat. You know, Bode was strictly a drop back guy, but he could run at times. But I think if they have something that they can keep all, uh, defenses off balance and not always have to rely on the Tays and, you know, these guys, uh, then you're right. They could be a team that all of a sudden comes out of the pack, you know, and, and, and makes a lot of damage. But we're going to see. Um, and, uh, Ben does a great job coaching there. They got a good coaching staff and you can tell the kids are well taught in terms of their fundamentals. So who knows? I think Northside is kind of that dark horse that yeah, everybody thinks, Hey, they've got the, they got the horses to do it. Can they put it together? Yeah. Dylan Schiebel, I believe is the new name for the new quarterback. Uh, S C H I B L E. don't know 100% the pronunciation, uh, well, we will find that out, I'm sure, as the new Northside quarterback taking over Bodie Dickerson. Um, but, yeah, and for that Northside team, it's that run game aspect, too. They lose Jonte Lambert, who set all the school records, led the SAC in rushing. He's gone. He's graduated. Uh, I know Gio uh, came in from uh, – Gio Jimenez, a transfer from Bishop Lewers, comes in. So oh, they've got right. some weapons to work with in the backfield, and I think uh, – It'll be good. And back to Tay being a recruit now for Notre Dame at safety. He said he wanted to play defense. It'll be very interesting to see how they mix the offense and defensive possessions for him. If he's out there all game or, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, you have a talent like that. You, you certainly want to use him. And and I know he's he's on the men from a um, foot surgery earlier this summer. And uh, but he should be out there. Uh, not and not too long, but uh, yeah, a good-looking Northside team a year ago. Can they sustain sustain that success, sustain that momentum uh, as they come in? And again, they're in that B division, so for them, they don't have they they do play Wanger Week Three and Week Nine at Carroll, uh, but you know they don't have Homestead, they don't have uh, Northrop. You know, they have a lot of the Concordias, the Lures, those type of games in their in their thing, and, and no Snyder matchup this year. Um, and they come in number six in the Class 5A coaches poll preseason. Yeah, uh, and I think if I put them all together, you know, all 10 teams together, I think – I still think Northside's probably a four, four five in the in the looking at it overall, but I'd asterisk that because – I think they do have the ability and the talent to, to leapfrog yeah. a couple of teams. Yeah. Who well, got, who, I mean, yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Who, who do we got next now on this glorious night? Of I would think uh, 
just just throwing you know we're kind of making our way down see i i picked i went north side after snyder because i thought okay maybe those are kind of the top three but i mean obviously you know the two bishops are always in there as well bishop yep. lure um number three in class 3a preseason poll um you know they don't have snyder they don't have carol the schedule they do have north side and dwanger uh, but a very favorable schedule in that yep. regard where they don't have to play some of the big boys, some of the bigger teams, prominent teams in the in the conference. And we're really going to see how that part of the schedule really helps a team like Lures that is a smaller school, very good, well-coached, a lot of guys that play both ways. And they get Jaden Hill back. Yeah. You know, he was at Carroll last year. He's okay. gone back to uh, – Lures, from what I'm understanding, they got yeah. Hogue. Hogue is still there too, the running back. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're going to be one of those teams that, based upon the two divisions and playing more like minded schools in terms of size and structure, it's going to benefit them. Now, it may it may hurt them because they're not going to play a Snyder or a Carroll because that always set them up for the playoffs. I always thought, yeah, you know, it gave them a really good uh, comparable of where they are at. But Coach Lindsay does a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, who's going to be the quarterback? Always the question there. You know, their defense has always been a decent, you know, a really good defense. They got some kids coming back there, so I, I you know. Lures too, I think, is a team to uh, keep your eye on as we, you know, enter into this new two division type of setup. Yeah, they open with East Noble and New Haven in their first two non conference matchups. No slouches. Uh, no slouches. Uh, two, you know, two any eight teams uh, in SAC play at Northrop, at Wayne. Then they have Concordia, Northside Dwanger, Southside Homestead. So, a lot of obviously winnable games for, for lures. Um, and, and really with this new divisional setup coach, it's one of those things where it's like, they're, they're not saying there's division champions. You're not going to have a division a champion. Right. Division B champ. You're going to have SAC champion based on overall record. So it's quite possible that, you know, that North side lures game on September 22nd, we might see the SAC championship out of that. That's that's kind of the beauty of this new format that we're going to see is that potentially those two teams could be undefeated in conference heading into that that yeah. that that night and one coming out of it uh, with with uh, with and ultimately and the same thing if Carroll runs the table and you have Northside and Carroll both running the table and never playing each other you would have SAC co-champions. So a lot to be decided in that first year, but yeah. yeah. So a lot to I'm going to say for. this right now. I'm going to say this right now. Okay. There's no complaining by about this new setup fans because the coaches wanted yeah. this and they wanted these non-conference games. So when the inevitable happens, when a team from the B column has a better record for the column A yep. and they didn't play each other or they didn't play, you know, they didn't have to play Snyder or Carroll or whatever. Doesn't matter. It's just right. the way it is. So no complaining uh, as we go. Now you brought in the battling bishops. So we got to go into Dwanger next. Uh-huh. Probably one of the most electrifying kids last year was um Minix, Carter yep. Minix, the the wide receiver slash 
you know, Mr. Speed and they get Ethan Springer back, you know, he's also made his way back. So they got that quarterback that they really didn't have last year. I mean, they had some injuries and stuff. So um, I thought they played pretty decently against uh, Carroll in the scrimmage from what I was told in terms of matching up. So uh, is it the, you know, is Dwanger poised to make a run? Well, and obviously they graduate C.J. Davis and Preston Ross at, at tight end, C.J. Davis at Marshall now. But one thing that, that really perked my interest, Dwanger was returning 29 seniors. That's huge. Yeah. That's a huge senior class uh, for the Saints. I mean, you know, so – they bring a lot back. Um, their their running game has been a little bit more by committee. So I think for them, if they can have somebody kind of break out of that path, I know TJ Steele has graduated. Tobias Tipman is probably that go-to back now. Uh, so it, you could have a breakout year for him. But, you know, six and four a year ago for Bishop Dwanger, um, after they, you know, it, it was for them – uh, a down year, but I think what does Jason Garrett and his coaching staff, how do they turn that into to a positive momentum? And when you have 29 seniors um, and, and what they went through last year, um, I think it's for them, there's a lot to play for. Again, they have Northside, they are at Carroll, they're, they host mm-hmm. instead. So two big home games were going on the, uh, the route, but yeah, that's their first three weeks in this new SAC. They're going to go Northside, Carroll, and Homestead. So they're going to be put through the ringer early, and I think that'll be good for uh, just to kind of see where this Dwanger team is a year later after that 6-4 and four finish. And, and they're going to go play Moeller, which is a predominant yep. you know Catholic power down in Cincinnati. Name to get familiar with, Kay- okay. Caleb Lehrman. Lehrman is 6'8". 210 pounds six eight and i saw one of the catches he made in the in the game in the scrimmage on friday where he just had a jump ball and went up and got it over over the corner that is a formidable talent for dwanger especially when they get in the red zone when you got a kid that's six eight that can do some things and because he's not a clumsy six eight he's a kid that can move quite well for his size. So be familiar with that name. And then of course, Minix is, as, as we know, is a, a electrifying kid. And I'm looking forward to what Ethan Springer brings to the table, because I think he's a kid that has the ability. Can he do things that gives Dwanger a chance? And what I mean by that, don't do the stupid thing. Don't throw the pick. Don't take an unnecessary sack. And, you know, be somebody that that Coach Garrett can depend upon on the offense to run the show. So we shall see with DeWanger as we've moved on. So we've covered a lot. Now, who we got next? I think we can go. Let's uh, Wayne Generals. What do you think? Okay, yeah. Wayne Generals, a team that uh, gets to sectional play versus Columbia City a year ago um, and looked good. I mean – that's a team that is always fighting for to get that upset. And I think, you know, that, that big win. And I think for Wayne, um, 
it's that constantly getting closer. And so how much closer do they get this year? Uh, you know, I, I think that that remains to be seen, but I, I do know sure what Haydock has said on, I've seen on multimedia outlets, Wayne TV and all that 36 years of coaching. This is his best wide receiver core. Now, oh, yeah. Sherwood Haydock is a big time running coach, so maybe the you know you know it could be. Well, we don't have to half, worry about that. He's half full kind of situation. But that being said, uh, great, a lot of promise, a lot of positive things coming out of, of Winchester Road in this Wayne Generals team. Well, the other thing that I wanted to mention, Sherwood's had his battle of health problems, and he had it again. Uh, this year where he had some issues with the back that he had to have surgery for. And then he had some complications from that. And, you know, he's making it around pretty decently right now. The other thing is he's turning, running the offense over to his son. So you're going to have a new offensive coordinator, new play caller. He's going to focus on the defense. So I think Wayne, if they can get the cylinders pumping in the right way, you know, you got Harold Mack. Here's a kid that got a Bowling Green offer just because he went to camp there and and, and performed, and they liked what they saw, and they offered him. And he's a youngin'. He's not a senior. He's going to be a junior, I believe. And then uh, Sharon, the Sharon kid, yeah. is another another player that talent-wise, I mean, again, I can't – I guess I'm a broken record tonight. <laughs> the, ta the talent that's in the Summit Athletic Conference is ridiculous in terms of some of these kids that are playing and um, it's going to be fun to watch. But if, if Wayne can get themselves out of the gate um, yep. and they can do things that don't kill them, you know, no give up cheap scores. That's what's been their Achilles heels. They get up cheap scores and get an offense that can move the football consistently. They got a chance. I mean, they're kind of in some respects like Northside in that way. Yeah, there's a lot of talent on these – Jacob Sharon coming back, Jacob Sharon Jr., a, a bad injury a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and 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 surgery on the leg, coming all the way back now. Um, He's ready to go. And here's a guy – I mean, I we've said it before on this this show, you know, the SAC hurdles champion, and he goes down with that with that bad leg injury. Mm -hmm. And so um, didn't really ramp up his, 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 his track season, but – should be full bore. He looked great out at the PSM seven on seven earlier this summer. And I, you know, a good kid. Wayne, two and eight a year ago, eight and 25 under Sherwood Haydock. They start out with uh, Crispus Attucks out of Indianapolis. And then, of course, that Northrop uh, game that counts in the regular season, but does not count in the SAC standard. Right. Neither team. So, you know, for I think it, that will be a positive start for, for, um, not knowing ter too terribly much about Christmas Addicts, but the idea that there again, two non-conference games, even though one is Northrop, obviously a very winnable right. game, Northrop that we know, they can feel good about themselves because they're not starting week one against Dwanger and poof, there goes the season because mm -hmm. you know you lose to Dwanger in week one and it's just a ho-hum, here we go again kind of scenario, which often happens with the old schedule and the, right. the way things were set up. So, uh, you know, Wayne is always a fun team to watch. They had a lot of success in their basketball, uh, winning the SAC for the first time uh, in 23 years there. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of spills over into the football side of things because 
when you have success in other sports, I think that really helps, you know, that, that momentum and, and the buzz around the school. And, and I know uh, for, for Wayne, that was a big deal. And, and I think coming into this football season, they, they, they have some hopes there to, to have a, a good year. Yeah. Let's jump now. I'm going to pick one here and okay. we'll go into, let's talk about Sparty Homestead Sparty. Oh, yeah. You know, they're coming off a, a year last year. That's, you know, that, you know, they haven't seen for a while, you know, kind of an uncustomary year, five and five, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I watched them. I thought in the scrimmage on Friday, uh, again, I think they've they've got some big kids on the offensive line. And uh, I think that um, with that is uh, their ability to run the football. You know, they got the Fuchs kid back. And but you can see their offensive line's pretty big. They've got some size to them. Uh, Fox, I mean, I'm sorry, Fox, uh, yeah. is back. And you know, I think they got some talent. You know, on the outside, their biggest issue is quarterback. Yeah, um, they got two sophomores, and they're going to go through some growing pains with them. So I can't stress enough how important for them is the running game. Uh, this year to not put a lot of pressure on their quarterback. And then defensively, um, again, they're not big up front uh, on defense, which I think is going to cause them some problems because they just, they've got to move their front so much to play uh, to give themselves a chance that sometimes they just spin themselves out of a gap and give up the big play. Yeah. And uh, you know, not a lot of loss to graduation there. So they have a lot coming back. That's always beneficial to any team. And so, uh, yeah, a down year for, for Homestead a year ago, um, five and five, not first non-winning season since 2013. Oh, by the way, this team started three and Oh, a year ago. So the right. wheels kind of fell off for that team. Um, and that's not something we're accustomed to seeing with the Homestead Spartans. Uh, but I think, you know, they've got some key pieces and, and, and keep it in front of you run the ball and, and you know, the quarterback situation will bear itself out where it needs to go. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to find out pretty quickly because they're going to be our high school game of the week this, this Friday night against Carmel. And when you got Carmel coming to town, uh, you know, that's going to be a ball game. Yeah. I mean, this is part of what we've been talking about, you know, really for the last year when the, when the new schedule came out uh, for the SAC was the idea of, you know, these non-conference matchups, these big-time games, teams like Carmel playing teams like Homestead, and we get to yeah. see that. And I should have asked Jeff, what's that like when both teams have the same colors and the same helmet look and the same – That's right. You know, and, and two good teams in Homestead and Carmel with the blue and gold. But it should be a fun one out at uh, Dave Walter Stadium. I know we'll be there. Uh, with the 1380, the fan crew for the 1380 game of the week and the, the uh, PSM high school football tailgate pregame show at six, the post game afterward with the scoreboard from all across the area. So it all kicks off once again, coach, and it should be a fun night and, and, and cool to see some other teams. I'm going to have to do some research on these Carmel Greyhounds. Well, they're going to be <laughs> legit because they all, they always have a great team. Yeah. Um, 
I do think Homestead, though, I, you know, I think it's going to be another one of those years where it's going to be a lot of close games and such. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to have to grow with these young quarterbacks. That's going to be the, the key component there. Let's jump over to um, Concordia. You know, they've gone through uh, a couple years now where, you know, one year new coach and the next year <laughs> new coach and, yeah. you know, same faces with Tim Manigal. But, uh, you know, he's such a good football coach. I, you know, I think the biggest thing is what does Concordia have coming back that's going to give them the opportunity in this setup the way the conferences are shaping up? Yeah, and, and for them, the biggest thing is – they don't have a Johnny Washington um, yeah. and they don't have Eli Maddox either quarterback no. anymore. Right. So for them, it's, it's, and honestly, you know, that's part of the, the turnover aspect, a Johnny transferred to new Haven, which that's a whole nother story for another podcast <laughs> episode is the fact that Mylon Graham and a Johnny Washington are going to be lining up uh, on the wings together, but uh, for new Haven, but, you know, I think for, for Concordia, um, there again, I think it helps being in that smaller division because you can go in and know that, okay, you know, it's not going to be the same. Like for them, like going five and six in the SAC and, 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 and maybe getting to a sectional semifinal or right. some of those years where they've gotten to a regional and they were a sub, you know, I, I think for Concordia, it's always the aspect of they realize what conference they're in. They re also realize what class they're in when it comes into sectional. Right. And so there's kind of two seasons for Concordia. Um, and, and realistically for them, I think it's, I think they're a lot younger from what I what I've heard and yes. seen about them. And so I think there's going to be growing pains there and just a little bit of a drop off, so to speak with it, with the talent level, but you know, they're kind that, of like that's the other side of high school sports is you build these guys up yeah, right. as you go along. And I know well, for a place like Concordia, those, those schools, <clears> you know, the grade schools, Holy Cross and Concordia and Emmanuel St. Michael. And a lot of those places, they, they draw those kids in. And so the, the youth programs are huge for, for those type of places too. Right. And that's the thing that, you know, I think it's going to, come out in the in the long run is how many kids how many players has he got coming back for him um as well as they're kind of like lures they get put through the grind you know the grinder but then they get kind of that rejuvenation when you get into the tournament play because they're now playing like-minded schools in terms of size and stature that they're better prepared to go on the tournament and i think that's always benefited those or uh Concordia's and lures in that regard if they don't get beat up through the grind and now with the way it's situated uh they won't have to uh go through that grinder as much uh like they've normally done you know now they're going to place the scene of the first game of the year that's mm -hmm. going to be a tough one then they got Eastbrook that's another toughie yeah but then they but then they go Homestead Snyder Northside Lures I mean yeah. if that's not I mean they've got their work cut out for them. Realistically uh, looking at their, cause you throw Wayne in there as well. Dwanger at the end. I mean, for, for Concordia outside of Northrop probably has the hardest schedule and it's probably harder than Northrop's too. Yeah. Uh, but for them, Concordia, you know, and, and 
you just play who's in front of you and you just hope that when it comes to sectional 27 in class 3a with belmont delta garrett heritage and though getting in some respects getting beaten up in the sac helps you uh not that some of those teams are not slouch teams in that sectional either but i think that's what where it comes in that kind of that two season aspect uh for the concordia cadets well let's talk about the archers brand yeah. new turf they got brand new turf <laughs> here which is looking phenomenal on yes. my yacht and good for them you know they need it Northside, i think is supposed to get it next they need it you know these teams need that synthetic surface just because it eliminates having the maintenance aspect to it so they've got something there new coach uh coming over from um uh lures lures <laughs> yeah lures running back coach andre goodwell now the, the head coach. and i like i like him i mm -hmm. i got a chance to not really i got a chance to kind of observe him at the coaches uh media day and i really like his demeanor i think he has a realistic mindset and i think he's got the personality to get the parents to rally around and to get the kids out and I think that's going to be so beneficial for them. And don't kid yourself. Southside always has athletes. I mean, they're always a team that you're talking about their athleticism uh, more than you are not. Um, so yeah. I really, I really like what the hire. And I think it's one of those things that I think Southside could be a team that could be like a Northside where they build it and they start getting more kids out to play. Yeah, well, and for Southside, I mean, a lot of positives coming out of the year. They get the new coach. They get a new coaching staff, new turf, uh, some young guys coming in. K.J. Alexander was the quarterback that was, yeah. was, was, was flashing, you know, had some good looks at the PSM 707. A freshman coming in who, who played at Miami Middle School. Um, you know, it's finding those pieces, and it's going to take some time, and it's going to take a process. And I don't know what the PSM seven on seven indicator of them winning their division championship, mm -hmm. how that translates uh, when, when they line up on Friday nights and the schedule that they do with Carol, then Snyder, then Wayne at week three through five to open the SAC. But I think any positive momentum for that program is good because so much of it in the last couple of years not even it's so much negative. the winning games aspect, right, but right. having kids come out, having a, a, a coaching staff that is buying into the process, yeah. just like you're telling the kids to do. I think Best that's a big part of it. And Andre Goodwell has been a great hire for them. And you're already seeing the seeds being, being reaped from what they, what they, what they sowed. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I would say about that, you know, performance there uh on your seven on seven what it does it it gives the kids a reward for what they've done up to that point it gives something for them to to sink their teeth into on what they've been able to do uh with that setup while it's not 11 on 11 but they need every bit of positive reinforcement they can get as a program and i think they're gonna get the rewards more so than any year over the last few years. I think this year they're going to do it and don't be surprised if they beat somebody that you probably don't think they should. That could be. And they open up with Marion and South Bend St. Joseph. So 
we'll see where that leads as well. I, well, I think that's all of the Summit Athletic Conference North teams. Nor, no, that's all right. I can't forget about the alma mater. Can't forget about Northrop. You can't forget about your Bruins. I know uh, it. You know what happened is the North Sides Northrop's. You get them all confused, and I'm older now. I'm a year older. You said it. I didn't. But that's right. Well, you no. got Coach Bowen out there second year. Here's what I think the biggest thing there. Remember last year he got hired late in mm -hmm. the process, and it was he was getting you know fastballs thrown at him from all different directions both the late hire and trying to get things going this year. He's had more time to uh, digest last year and refocused on this year. And I know he's pretty happy with what he's gotten out in terms of numbers and where they're at in their development. Yeah. And, and the big thing, especially, especially in a Fort Wayne community school, high school is, is getting that year under your belt having the coach there mm -hmm. the whole year to go through the summer weights, to go through the off season conditioning, to go through and, you know, everything from checking the kids grades to all of that stuff. And a school like Northrop, a big school that doesn't have a lot of people coming out for football, yeah, you know, in that regard, it's, it's, it's pulling the different pulleys to see what, what works. And I think, you know, having that, and that's, and that's been key for, for them too. So I think for them, I, you know, I don't know, I think for them it's, it's hard because they're in that big division, so to speak. And so they're going to have to play yeah. Carroll and Snyder and Northside or, you know, those same groups every year, uh, Dwanger and, and all that. But for them, I think, you know, one in nine under coach Bowen in his first year, um, it's just been, you know, yeah, finding a little momentum and turning one win into two and two wins into three and three into four. And and that's literally what it has been for, for Northrop. And you just keep grinding. I mean, one well, of these they, days you just hope <clears throat> that something works out. And they got some talent. I mean, they mm -hmm. got the Hinton kid that's yeah. a really good player in the uh Guilford kid that is yes. kind of come out of nowhere has got an offer on the table from a Mac school. I don't remember uh, who it was. He's only a sophomore. So um, it's going to be interesting with them and to see who else they've got coming in there. The one thing that hurt them last year was quarterback play. They really just didn't have one. Um, and I think that's going to be for them. If they can find that kid that can give them some ability offensively, then I think they can put some things together. But we'll see what all that happens. Year two is always your better year um, just because, you know, you've got something under your belt. You got kind of the the data in front of you. And like you said, you got to worry about winning one and then putting, you know, going in, this, you know, two and three and four. You can't be worrying about too many games down the road. You got to be worried about what's in front of you. And for them, another school that it's really crucial to get the middle school kids at Jefferson Shawnee, those schools involved. Yes. Because, schools. because realistically, let's face it, when you're a team like Northrop and you have not had that success by the time that it's sixth and seventh grade, the kids at Shawnee and Jefferson are going to tune out to it. So right. it's, 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 
it's same with Southside. It's about recruiting the kids in the middle school as much as it is recruiting the kids in your own school and keeping right. the kids that are good at your own school at your own school because there's other schools out there that are looking to take those kids. You know, <laughs> right? But uh, you know, I think for Northrop, you just it's it's a tough spot to be in because they're a six A school, and so they have to play really good competition all season long. Yeah, and, and yeah. they're just. They're 6A by size, but they've just not been able to, to, to sustain themselves to be a 6A program like we see. And it, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. And yeah. like you said, you got to get the feeders involved and everything else. Well, I think we've made our round around the sack. We've taken a little bit more time <laughs> than we normally like to, right. but we had much more to talk about. Real quickly here, I want to touch base real quick. Nothing uh, over in depth. Any eight, I think there's going to be that's going to be an interesting dog race because yep. you've got New Haven, Columbia City, East Noble, and Norwell. All those New Havens loaded. If if uh, if the quarterback there at New Haven, um, Williams, Donovan Williams, that kid has got an arm. It's consistency. If he finds it, look out because with Mylon Graham and Hardy. They've got the ability to put some points up on the board. Columbia City, they look pretty good. They're going to have a running game, and they got a quarterback that can throw it, and they got Stratton Fuller, who's an yep. all-world for them in terms of that. And then East Noble's a year older. Remember, yeah. East Noble was a young team and uh, a year ago, so now they're a year older, and I look for them to make a little bit of a rumble over in the NEA this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think East Noble and Leo are back this year, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, after some, uh, you know, Leo looks incredible. With, oh, you know, they got they, talent. They've got a laundry list of guys. Brock Shop, top of the list there. Caden um, Hurst. Caden Hurst comes in. Um, and, and you know, Cam Zeisloff is another name that, that, that you can get familiar with. And there right. again, another – Full year under Jason Dorfler, a guy who came in, I think, in June of last yep, year. So same situation. Their youth program is huge for them. You know, being in the school, uh, weight training, they're adding PSM strength and conditioning. All East Allen schools are. So it's really exciting from that aspect, too, because you're going to see these guys, it, it, the, the dedication to what these kids are going to start doing um and and yeah. weightlifting and how big they're going to be and fast and strong it's going to be cool uh down the line and time will tell that but yeah from a from any eight you know leo i think is it, probably my pick east noble yeah. right there uh columbia city had a great year a little bit younger and norwell has lost a lot to graduation so mm -hmm. i'm not sure that they can go another 10 win season but I think in the NEA every year you're talking four teams from the NEA eight as kind of that upper echelon having the shot of winning. And, and that's what's fun about going and covering a couple of those games that we get to do. Every well, year. and that's the thing is that, you know, if Leo, we got to we got to work on getting them a bigger press box up there so that we can go up there and cover them because they've got like they've got uh, oodles of talent. I mean, yes. it's just crazy how much talent they have on that team up there. They're, and their question, too, is did they have a quarterback? And I think they do. Um, he Kyle made some play yeah, he plays email. He made some plays on Friday night that were pretty darn good. So uh, NEA is going to be another exciting year to watch that group come along and see who's who's who. And then, of course, the battle of 
Adams County is going to be interesting uh, this year. Did you hear about uh, South yeah. Adams? They're putting turf in, but for some reason, they're not going to have it available. Uh, so they're going to have to play their first two games at Adams Central. Uh, I think which is I think it's week one and week four. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and I That's believe Heritage, Heritage is thrown in that mix because I think Heritage is one of the opponents. So, uh, yeah, well, and it's just a byproduct of uh, kind of I think they just couldn't get the stuff in on time. And and I, you know, I I, I certainly uh, think it's big for them because I remember a couple of years ago they had a I would think it was their sectional game mm-hmm. um, and it was just a, bl- a horrible mud mud bowl. And, uh, you know, that's anymore that's what you're seeing is 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 investment into the into the uh to the facilities south adams has done that i know over the winter they had a flood on at the star dome which is where they play their oh that's right had to get a new floor there so uh they've 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 invested quite a bit in their facilities (laughs) last year down in burn but uh yeah that matchup south adams and, and adams central is always a big one always goes a long way in deciding the acac a, a team, and we mentioned it, Heritage, can't sleep on yep. them. Another year better for them. Another year under Colkman. Colkman now also the track coach. So he's getting a lot of those football guys to, to run track. Absolutely. On him. And, and I think that's big for them. And just um, they're getting bigger, stronger, faster in the weight room. And just they've got a lot of guys who are hungry, big guys that are ready to play. And, and I think for them um, – that win versus South Adams a year ago for Heritage, where Colkman got Colts Coach of the Week, really, I think, kind of changed the perception for those guys on that team that you can you can have success at Heritage. Yeah. That'll be well, fun. I think it's, yeah. they're in the mix there as well. Yeah. Well, it's been a fun night getting through all this. Again, thanks to Jeff Lytle for joining us tonight, talking about that. We've gone through the sack and – we're going to have the Carmel Homestead game as the 1380 100.9 FM game of the week. Six o'clock pregame show with Jim Shevlin, my man, dude, and myself. If you're there, come by, say hello. We love for you to come in and, and, and come by and say hello to us. But a couple things here to remind you of. We'll have some links in the description for the IHSA for the officials and some affiliation links that if you click on, it helps us out defer some cost. Um, and if you're looking for a place to maybe sponsor something, give us a hit us up on uh, Twitter. Uh, we can show you what you can, how you can help us. And, uh, that's one of my, that's my one shameless plug. Okay. Yeah, there we go. You know, my but shameless it, plug, upon, per, upon further review.com. We also have a new website up and running yep. where you can find all of our podcast episodes, even from last year on yep. Well, and all this, and it's corners. SAC at the end of that. Upon further upon review, SAC.com. Yep. Um, I know it's a long one. Just type it in. You'll like it because it's all, all of it's there in one spot yep. that you can go and listen to it all. Again, if you like us, give us a retweet, give us a like on Facebook, on, on YouTube, share it with your friends and family. And we're going to have coaches come on. We're going to have some players come on. Uh, again, we try to cover the SAC and the NE8 as best that we can, and we put a lot of time and effort into it because we love it. Uh, make sure you come and join us next week on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for the breakdown of week two coming up in the uh, SAC as well as the recap of the Carmel game. 
Eric Duke Dukevich is the man on my right-hand side tonight. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. This has been Upon Further Review. We'll see you next week.